This is Annie Grace, and you're listening to this Naked Mind podcast, where without judgment, pain, or rules, we explore the role of alcohol in our lives and culture. Hi, this is Annie Grace, and welcome to this Naked Mind podcast. Today, I am so excited to have Kim with me. Welcome, Kim. Thank you. Nice to be here. Yeah, so great to be here with you. So we were just talking a little bit about the the snow, but um, so you are in Vermont. Yes. Awesome. Right near snow. Yeah, we've gotten a little snow this summer. I mean, this winter, but not enough. So we'll take some of yours. Fond memories of skiing at (laughs) snow. That's a really good mountain. That's awesome. So why don't you just kind of, I guess, take us back in your journey to sort of where it all began for you? Okay, well, I actually have a story that I sent you that I wrote, and I was wondering if that would be okay if I just kind of followed along with that, since that's pretty much like my story. Um, Just for background, I'm 61 years old. I've been um, a social drinker for 40 years, and I have been alcohol-free for the last 15 months, Um, not really counting. I had to stop and think about it today, but... um, by just like reading this booze clue story, I'll, I can give you the background for me if that's if that's cool with you. Yeah, that's great. So this um this is a column I wrote for my one of my for my blog, um, Spirit Scout, and um, it's called Booze Clues, and the question is booze, keep it or leave it. It's a question I had flirted with over the past several years. Despite all the gaslighting, our culture extends to the joys of drinking. I've always known deep down in my liver that alcohol, ethanol is harmful to my body, mind and spirit. Just looking at the chemistry and the math told me that, but vigorous cultural branding of booze and saturated social patterns kept me stuck in the habit. There are even medical studies that reinforce the lie that alcohol is beneficial to your health. So what's a thinking drinker to do? I'm happy to say that booze and I finally broke up over a year ago and my only regret is that I didn't do it sooner. Booze for me was a fun habit. Most of my social outings involved a glass or three of wine and it was always cool. No drunken episodes or embarrassing epiphanies in public um, to startle me into quitting. Uh, I was a social drinker for 40 years and I really enjoyed it. I even had a modest wine cellar and I belonged to a wine club. Surely something that can be considered a hobby couldn't be bad for me, right? Five clues combined to create a perfect storm for me quitting booze. The first, I was finally through the last stages of an interminable menopause, and as my active but aging body shifted, I seriously started to notice that my four nights a week wine habit was not serving me or my brain. Number two, I read a fabulous book called This Naked Mind by Annie Grace, and a new consciousness began to creep into my everyday thinking. As a result, I had grown weary of even thinking about drinking. How much was too much? Why couldn't I lose that irritating six pounds no matter how much I exercised? Can I drive home from book club safely if I have two glasses of wine? If I'm such a health nut, why am I putting ethanol in my body on a regular basis? I started to get very picky about what made me feel icky. I didn't want to numb and dumb conversations anymore. I craved more authentic, soulful exchanges with others and especially for myself. Um, The fourth thing that happened was I fell seriously in love with ginger kombucha. It's the fermented tea, and I honestly 
to God, I prefer its flavor and its benefits. It's my drink of choice. <laughs> <laughs> it really doesn't matter what's in the glass. <laughs> it's just like, you know, the nice thing, the nice glass. Um, number five, my desire to ditch drinking had reached an apex and then a serious vertigo attack tossed me through the goalposts. Five weeks of acute vertigo. I don't know if you've ever experienced that, but you feel like total crap times a hundred. And it convinced me behind a shadow of a doubt that I would never consciously put um, anything in my body that was in a deficit situation again. The grace to say farewell to booze led me through a door. And then when I looked back, the door had vanished. I can say unequivocally that I live alcohol free with zero effort. Uh, no meetings or support groups, no cravings or daydreams, no awkward moments of choice making, no mooning for the past, nothing. I know that kind of bold statement will make some people incredulous and uncomfortable, um, but it's a, and it's a huge mental and emotional jump. Um, and the frame of my, that frame of reference can be polarizing, I, I know, because I used to feel like that when someone said that they didn't drink, so I get it. I don't know if it's an age thing or maturity or what, but um, it's true. Um, once the bell of consciousness has been rung, you can't really unring it. And the bell here is that alcohol is ethanol. And it's the same stuff I fill my car up with at the gas station. It's been processed to taste good and packaged to be sexy and appealing, but essentially we're talking about social drinking as a systematic program of self-poisoning. I can't unknow this. And now that I do, I can't allow myself to repeat these self-destructive patterns. I know what you're thinking. I really love to drink. I just do it to relax. Or gosh, you used to be such a fun person. But you know what? I used to say the same things until my consciousness evolved. What I've learned is that my generation and also my children's, my kids are between ages uh, 29 and 33. Um, were brought up in a pro-drinking culture where nearly every occasion included social drinking. Not only were we never ever taught that alcohol is dangerously addictive um, or about the ironies of drinking, that you're branded into thinking that drinking poison makes you feel good. We were encouraged to drink and being a good drinker was considered a positive social asset for us. The language is critical here. We got brainwashed by the alcohol industry and others that there were only two types of camps that you could be in if, with, with regard to alcohol. Uh, a good drinker, that was number one, or you're an alcoholic. It was black or white. If you had any sort of issue or misgivings about booze, you'd be branded as a derelict or as a loser. The thinking was very, very black and white and nobody wanted to be in the alcoholic camp. So we became very proficient, enthusiastic social drinkers. Uh, it's so different today. There's a spectrum, which wasn't even in the language then. In reality, very few people are actually alcoholics. We are scared into thinking that, but only about 10%. And that's another whole discussion that's not covered with us today. But all social drinkers are on a spectrum of use and facility. There's a whole range of drinkers out there, and everyone's at their own unique spot on the slippery slope of addiction. And one size definitely does not fit all. The good news is that it's a lot easier to quit than we have ever been brainwashed into believing. For some people, they hit the thin edge of the wedge, some kind of tipping point, and quitting feels instant and easy. Uh, this is what happened to me, and I remember reading, I loved Catherine Gray's book, The Unexpected Joy of Being Sober, and she talked about learning the crow pose. 
and you try it and you're tipping, you fall and you fall on your face and you try some more and you fall some more and you keep doing yoga. And then one day, pow, after lots of effort, magically, you can do the damn crow pose and you don't fall on your face. And yes, you can do that pose forevermore. So it's a great metaphor for learning neural pathways in the case of process, practice, and patient, patience over time. So um, we're just scratching this complex subject today. I think I'm pretty typical of my age group. Um, never a problem, but never really happy about it either, knowing deep down inside that it was bad for me, but being gaslighted and brainwashed to thinking otherwise. That's my story and I'm sticking to it, Annie. I love it. I love it so good. <laughs> so was there, I mean, in your journey, like it doesn't sound like there was a real, can you tell me about some of the moments in time when you knew things really did need to change? Yes. Um, well, I, I actually dabbled with it a little bit in high school, but not much. I was like the co-captain of all the teams and, you know, the, the class leader. And I just didn't, I wasn't doing that sort of thing, but I, the summer before I started college, I was just turning 18 and 18 was the drinking age in Vermont. And I went to UVM and that was one of the number one party school in the country. And that's what you did. I mean, every, that's what everybody was doing. And I didn't know any difference. So um, I had, you know, grown up in a family where my parents were, there, booze wasn't a problem per se. There was some family history, which my brothers had ended up um, suffering from didn't seem to affect the women, but um, so there wasn't like any problematic stuff going on. Uh, so that was when I was 18. I really got into it. So that was like freshman year. It was like every, everything was about drinking in college. It's like so ironic. That's what you go to learn. What a waste of an education. Um, in retrospect, that's a regret. But um, and then it just continued from there. That was just our social structure. Like people were high functioning, they were career oriented, we were parents and every, every dinner party, every party, everything, you know, there was always wine and it was, it was a thing. Just, it was weird not to have it. You were, you were considered odd if you didn't. So you don't know what you don't know, I guess, or you do know, but you you're afraid to, to say it because you don't want to be, there was that black and white branding. That's all I can really point to. Yeah, absolutely. If you had any sort of questioning, it was like you were immediately grouped into, um, you know, you're at fault, you're wrong, you have, you know, you're not kind of with us. It's so scary how that is. And I, so. Well, that's why your book is so um, groundbreaking because I did, I did suspect, and I was what I was reading, but the books were so damn scary. It was like Mary Carr's Lit, you know, it was like one of the scariest books I've ever read. So again, it just reinforced that notion. It wasn't breaking any new ground. It wasn't giving any new language. Um, so. Yeah, so true. So then, you know, fast, fast forwarded to like, I don't know, maybe two years ago or something. What was it that, that kind of really changed for you? What was it that had you start looking at this? And it, well, it, Things. I mean, I've always been, a, I call myself a health hobbyist, you know, always doing self-care. I love to exercise. I have a, I got a, a far infrared <clears throat> smoker, I call it the smoker, a far infrared sauna. And I always did Bikram yoga. So I was always sweating, you know, I was kind of like could override the drinking. Like I would maybe like, you know, take 
three steps backward, but then I'd go five forward. So I was always ahead of the curve until I hit menopause. And then, well, I don't know, that's, that's like hitting the wall. I don't care how good you take care of yourself. When you come into menopause, you have to have, you have to be in war mode. So um, I could see that was like a, a diminishing returns in that you just, the booze just can't get you through menopause. <clears throat> so I'd recommend anyone listening to give it up now if that's what you're trying to do. Um, it's so interesting I because smoker, so I was doing a lot of self-care. I also have um, three daughters, <coughs> and um, they all they all have this interesting um, mut gene mutation. Have you ever heard of the MTHFR? Mm -mm. All right, so. I brought some material to, to share with you because it's very, it's not very well known, but um, through some health issues that my, when my middle daughter had, we learned through a blood panel that she has a gene deviation called MTHFR, and it's a gene that provides instructions for making the enzyme called methylenediophyllate. I don't know if you can even say it, it's about 26 letters long. Long story short, it's a biochemical pathway that manages or contributes to the wide range of crucial body functions, including the ability to metabolize alcohol. So this is why some people just can't drink. They just get so violently ill. They have this gene mutation. It's easy to find out if you have it by a simple blood test and your insurance will pay for it. But you have to be able to educate your doctor about what it is because they won't know. So... Um, we through this health crisis that my middle daughter was having, we found out about this gene. So everybody got tested and all three of my daughters have it and they're not drinkers. Um, you know, my, my, for my oldest two don't drink at all. And my youngest is still figuring it out, but she's realizing that it's just really hard for her. They can't detox detoxify like normal people. And it leads, it's a pathway to a lot of other health problems. So it's a pretty fascinating subject, but it's amazing how little there is out there about it. So you know, your, re your listeners are going to have to do some research if they suspect it, but it's quite common. Interesting. I don't, I don't have the gene, so that means my husband has the gene. So he's never been a huge drinker, so it hasn't been an issue. He's a big guy, like, you know, hasn't like shown up for him, but it showed up big for my girls. So there was that piece, there was that consciousness evolving in our family. Um, there was me in menopause. Um, there was a lot more material out there educationally, a lot more uh, support, and it just all kind of came together. And then I had this vertigo episode, and I'm telling you, you never want to go through even an hour of that. I went through five weeks of it. Wow. And I think it was a susto. I think it was a, a spiritual upgrade for me, and I could either take it or leave it, and I took it. That's awesome. That's so beautiful. Um, it's so interesting, like what you say, I was on, uh, so I have a um, spin bike and you know it's it's connected to the internet so everybody has like usernames and stuff and stuff so you can see like other people who are doing the ride with you and one of the usernames was wine guard and I was like I could really relate to that because I was like okay yeah I do all this stuff I run I do all this stuff so that I can you know mm -hmm. abuse my body badly and it's kind of like huh well that's that's interesting. Where did we, where do we get that, you know, this was so important that I was going to like specifically, it's not like cancer guard, something I can't, right. or, you know, health, heart, health guard, you know, or longevity guard. No, it's wine guard, like something that I'm actually, 
you know, purposely yeah. ingested. It's ironic, isn't it? I mean, mm -hmm. it sounds so stupid when you say it out loud when you get to the other side, but when you're on the front end of it, you're always making bargains. You're always trying to like beat the system. Yeah. And it's such a waste of energy and it's such a waste of good health. And I'm, I'm a big biker. I'm a mountain biker. Even though I'm 61, I ride like the wind. And I'm telling you, I'm riding better now than I have in the last 10 years. Oh, being, that's amazing. Yeah, being alcohol-free has made a huge difference. And my husband's noticed it and he's joined in with me. He's just yeah. like, I, you know, I'm going to get on board with this because I want to, I want to be able to go with you. So I love that. It's amazing how fast the result, you know, the, the um, payback starts when you stop drinking. That's so awesome. That's huge. So I have this question that I always ask sort of at the end. Well, first of all, um, you mentioned a blog, like if people want to read that story. Um, and of course, we publish it on our blog too, but find more about you or connect with you directly. Will you mention that again? Sure. It's called Spirit Scout. So it's S-P-I-R-I-T-S-C-O-U-T dot me and it's a blog that i started just this year i've always been a writer and um i'm basically writing about spiritual wisdom and I've, I've been a food writer for many years so there's a there's a vegan element to it and i do a lot of travel so that's on there too that's awesome that's so cool and then the question that i always really wrap up with you know if you could go back and and talk to kim about um, the Kim of two years ago, five years ago, and, and, you know, definitely the Kim who was like feeling like, yeah, life just won't be the same without drinking. Like there's no way that, you know, this is always going to be part of my life till I die sort of thing. Like, what would you tell her about what life is like now for you? Oh, um, I would say that it's just so freeing. It's just like, you don't have to think about all of the little elements that you used to have to calculate for when you were going to be having a, a party or drinking or driving or exercising, everything is just so free. And if you, if you listen to your intuition, if you have an inkling that this is something that might be for you, listen to your gut. Your gut is calling you, your heart's calling you, your mind's calling you. And there are people around to support you on it. It's, um, it's, been, a, it's been a huge gift. It's been like a monkey off my back. And I'm just so blessed. Oh, that's awesome. That's so beautiful. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for coming and sharing your story and your writing, which is exquisite. And um, yeah, I really, really thank you for writing it. your book. You're my <laughs> hero. Yeah, oh, you've done so much for so many people, Annie. Thank you thank so you. much. Yeah, it's it's a it's certainly a joy, and I I look forward to you know just even getting the message out there more and passing along this podcast, by the way, just hit 1.5 million downloads. So. Wow. That's awesome. Congratulations. Amazing. Keep so up the cool. work. Keep awesome. up the work. All right. Well, have a great day and we'll okay. talk soon. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> Did you miss this Naked Mind Live? Do you maybe have a little bit of FOMO? But don't worry, I've got you covered. In fact, I had the entire event professionally recorded and it's available digitally. Transformation in your living room. Yep, that is what it's all about. You can grab your digital ticket at thisnakedmind.com forward slash digital ticket. And as always, rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast as it truly helps the message reach somebody who might need to hear it today.